This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame. No more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are so lucky to be joined by Emma, who is an old friend of the show. Friend of the show? Friend I mean, of the she's not that old. No, she's not old. She's not old, but we've known you a long time, haven't we? We have, yeah. Um, I feel like I've known you guys my whole life, but yeah, just just found the gang in the early days, I suppose. Yeah, I think yeah, you so did. Um, how long we, ago was that? Yeah. Um, it was the summer of 21, so you guys have been going for a bit of time, but um, yeah, you were you were there when I sort of needed and doing the podcast and everything and then I did one of your first pathway to recovery courses yeah Mm. so I think that was in the autumn of 21 that was in the autumn and then you and I did that 5k in Greenwich together yeah we did and that was February the following year yeah but you did the 10k so you're like hardcore it was horrible weather wasn't it it was so horrible (laughs) (laughs) it was like Oh, and then I got lost in the car on the way home and my phone ran out, so I didn't have oh, to. Oh, no, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Yeah, we were, time. like, in this crammed cafe in Greenwich, like, trying to get warm after the run. Like, let's just, we just want our cup of tea. Just want a bit of cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. So, Emma, why don't you start at the beginning and tell us how you came to be a member of the Worst Girl Gang ever? Oh, yeah, thank you. I feel like my story is quite long. Um, so just chip in if you if you want um, but yeah I was thinking about how to start off because it's always the journey isn't it like how do you get there mm-hmm. but I was thinking about um, so baby loss has had a huge impact on my life and it just sort of shipped me to my absolute core mm-hmm. and um, I think it kind of starts when I'm four right because I used to pretend that my dollies were abandoned babies outside my bedroom door. And I used to pick mm. them up from the floor and like wrap them up in a blanket and cuddle them and put them in their little beds. And they don't worry, baby, everything's fine. So I've just wanted to be a mummy since I was about four. Mm. And I've never been one of those people who's like, I don't want children yet. I'm always like, yeah, I'll have a child tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it's always been part of my sort of yearning to be a mum and that kind of instinct of wanting to have a baby in my arms has very much been there since I was a child. Um, And I'm a bit boring. I'm an accountant, so I always want to plan, right? 
So I'm like, right, at 22, I'm going to get married. And at 25, I'm going to have my babies. I'm going to have four babies. And, you know, like, it's just, you know, it's like my my life plan. And then when you get into your 20s, you're like, 22, I'm not going to get married. haven't found my man. And then, you know, your life plan evolves, doesn't it? And you can't plan these things. Mm. Um, anyway, I was doing quite well with my life plan. Found found my found my man, got married, and then got on the property ladder. And then I was like, right, gonna have a baby. And luckily enough, I we conceived, and I had my living child Ella, who is now three. Um, the pregnancy was very physically difficult for me which kind of comes into my story of baby loss later on um but ultimately very lucky she was born in March 2020 on the outset of COVID so that was a an experience Mm. but when she reached one I was like right baby number two and I was very naive and optimistic and carefree about getting pregnant and staying pregnant didn't even consider miscarriage to be a thing um the only thing that was going on was in early 21 it we were rolling out the vaccine for covid and so i was really torn whether to get my second dose of the vaccine because i was in my early weeks of pregnancy um, and there was no research or guidance on that at the time. Mm. Um, and so I just thought, right, well, I'll get the vaccine. And because that's what all the doctors are advising, I did quite a lot of research and better to be protected, right, um, than get COVID. And so I was very nervous about it, but I did get the vaccine. And I was probably about six weeks pregnant at this stage. I've got all the symptoms. It's all going quite well. And then three days later, after having the vaccine, I actually got COVID for the first time. And um, I was really ill and I was just in bed for probably about four days and I just couldn't do anything. Couldn't look after my daughter, couldn't couldn't work, had to take some time off. Um, And then when I got better... I felt so much better. Like I felt like a normal person again. And I was like, wow, I feel great. And then I was like, but I feel great. <laughs> and usually in pregnancy, I don't feel great. But being that naive, optimistic person who hasn't been in the baby loss world, I didn't really think about it. Um, so that was about seven weeks. And then at nine weeks, I got like the teeniest spot of blood in my pants. And I was like, panic. Text my friend um, who had had bleeding first trimester and went on to have her beautiful baby. Um, and she was like, don't panic. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you've lost the baby. Um, just get a scan. Just go and get a scan. Call your clinic. Get a scan. So I was like, right. So I tried to get through to my NHS local hospital in London and couldn't get through to early pregnancy unit, couldn't get through. Oh, I did get through to my midwifery team, actually. And they were like, oh, you have to call the hospital, Um, but we'll refer you. It might take like a day. And I was like, I don't have a day. (laughs) Mm. I don't, you know, I need to know. 
So I just sort of Googled the the nearest scan place, like not having Mm. had an early scan before. And it's quite a panicky world because you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to go. Um, And it was probably one of those type of window through the room places. And it was just not clinical or medical at all. It was very much like the experience of having like your scan baby in there. I remember going in with my husband and I was in the waiting room and there were just all these horrible like cute teddy bears mm-hmm. you could put your scan picture in or like photo frames and then on the wall they had this massive poster of a cross section of a womb with a baby inside and like all these experiences that you could do with your scan picture and I was like I do not want to see this right now <laughs> I'm waiting for the scan and this is all a bit like much um yeah. and I think I had a feeling but I didn't quite want to admit it to myself. Anyway, so I went into the scan room and there was this massive screen like that you saw the scan as if it was like a cinema. Yeah. And then there was like a little screen where the sonographer was looking at it, but then it was projected on this massive screen. Um, And it wasn't like she asked me, do you want to see it? It was just like, that was just how it worked to that place. So she started to scan me and I could see what live what was going on. And there was no baby. Like there it was just two massive black circles. And obviously on a scan, the baby comes up as white. So it's the contrast. And I was like, where's the baby? And she was just like, she, I don't know, I think she must have been quite new or maybe she hadn't done this before when it's been like this or but she was just not very good she was like um um you'll have to come back in two weeks to confirm that it's a miscarriage and I was like hang on what where's the baby I just said where's the baby um and she was like well there's two there's two um there's two big sacks so I think it's probably a twin pregnancy and I was like what twins but where are they like where have they gone and she was like oh they've probably been absorbed and I was like absorbed what um and so I was just I don't really understand what's going on and I was just in complete and utter shock um I didn't even know that you could have a pregnancy and the babies didn't grow or the babies Mm -hmm. had been absorbed um I was very confused basically she measured the size of both of the sacs and they were both seven weeks gestation which fits into when I was really poorly with COVID so I was like in my head I was like COVID has killed my babies not me so it was like this weird like weird thing um but yeah I got back in the car and I was just like I can't I can't even function text my parents because they were looking after my one-year-old and um yeah I was just sort of like what's going on um, but to add to the complexity of the situation, um, my husband is American and we'd had our daughter in COVID and we hadn't been able to see or introduce her to any of her American families. So not her grandparents, or her aunties and uncles, Chris's brothers and sisters, mum, dad. And we were due to fly to America two days after the, the blood on my pants. 
because it was his sister's wedding and it was um, his grandma was passing away. And so we wanted to introduce Ella to the original Ella. She's great grandma Ella. Um, And so there was a lot riding on this trip to America. So finally, I went back to the London hospital because the referral did come through and they had to do one of those scans again. And I found that experience horrific because they did the internal scan. Um, and I've just found it really, really painful. Um, obviously, I was bleeding at this point. I was sort of naturally Sorry, Emma. like phys- yeah. physically painful, physically painful. Um, I know you're not supposed to, but I, I really did. Like I found it like, you know, because because they sort of go in and then because maybe because you're not pregnant, I don't know. But they like really check the ovaries as well to check mm. like, you know, they've mm. got to check that everything is sort of coming away or, you know, that they were happy that it was just like a miscarriage and ectopic or I don't know what they were checking but it just felt like she was going to one side to the other side and it was just like yeah I think if it's simple and they go in and they see what they want to see in the uterus it's not quite as no I just said to her and I was just in shock like panic like automatic Emma made like it's gonna be fine let's just get through this like it was like my emotions shut down and Mm. I just said to her I'm I'm really like I'm really not okay could you just be really gentle but for whatever reason this sonographer lady wasn't having a great day I don't know but she was just really like yeah no problem and then was just like um and I was like oh I find this quite painful she was like sorry just like a bit more time and I was just like I was like crying like holding on to um my husband's hand and um then we had this sort of debrief with a nurse afterwards. And I was just like, I really need to fly to America tomorrow. <laughs> um, I, we, I just, we just really need to go. And she was like, it's not a good idea. Like, you know, it's not going to be pleasant for you. Don't do it, basically. And I said, I, I really, really need to go. Like for my family, I just really need to go. Um, and I said, could you get, one of the doctors to just come in and just just tell me that I can fly and what I need to do. Um, and so eventually she went away, got the doctor back in, doctor came back in um, and he said, look, there's no medical reason why you can't fly, but you might be, you know, giving birth to your babies like on the plane, like in the loo. Um, mm. And this is what to expect. And you've got to wear your compression socks and, you know, you will be fine, but, you know, you might have to accept you're on a plain loo and you might have to be there for quite a while. And I was just like, yeah, fine, no problem. As long as I can fly, it's all good. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was just, I just sort of was like, got to go to America. And then I sort of came back to our flat and I was just like, right, got to, got to, you know, pack and pack for a wedding with a dress that I'd bought from Seraphine, which is like a maternity dress that I've got to wear, but I'm not pregnant anymore. Um, you know, all of that stuff. And um, yeah, it was really hard. 
and then got to the airport, got on the plane, and all I wanted to do was hold my daughter. She was only one, so she's pretty much a baby. So I was just clinging on to her for dear life throughout the whole flight, just holding her. And I didn't go to the loo because I was scared. I didn't drink enough water because I wanted to hold her. Um, So I wasn't looking after myself. And so when we got to America, I felt really physically unwell. We went to my sister-in-law's house at the other side when we were in America. And I um, like fainted on the way to the loo, which was only like two steps away. And so then I had to be carted off to ER, not A&E. Mm. Um, and I just thought I was going to die like I felt awful like physically absolutely dreadful I obviously was fine um they checked Um, did did your family did uh, Chris's family know at this point what had happened yeah I I said to Chris you've got to tell everyone because I don't I can't cope with pretending um so they all had you told them that you were pregnant um, I think we had actually, because I was in that kind of fairy tale, naive, pre-loss mm-hmm. excitement yeah. phase of being like, "We have a baby." I won't be able to drink the wedding because I'm having a baby. Um, I think we had just like you know, immediate family and friends. Um hadn't like done an announcement or anything but no they did know and I did I was very insistent like they have to know because I'm going to be so ill well not ill but like I'm not going to be okay it's going to be really difficult um yeah so in the hospital I was like dehydrated so they put like a drip in and stuff um but I couldn't explain like why I felt like I was physically going to die like I literally felt awful um and eventually I saw a gynecologist um, at the end. She came up to me before I was discharged and she and I said, well, all the test results have come back fine. Like, I don't understand why I'm feeling so unwell and faint and dizzy. And she was like, it's a hormone swing. Like, you've been, you've been pregnant and now you're not. Um, and it's a huge thing for your body to go through. And so she was really kind and she was actually quite like knowledgeable um, and quite sensitive. And so I was like, okay, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, and then I sort of was in America, like having that sort of two week bleed after a miscarriage. Because I actually miscarried just before the plane, which was a blessing. Like I and and it was it was a lot because it was seven weeks, but there were twins, so there was quite a lot coming out, and it was in the loo, and I didn't know what to do, whether to flush or not to flush, and or it's really horrible. But I mean, at the hospital back in England before I flew, they prepared me and they were saying about how I might need to push and yeah. how it might be like contractions. And I was like, what? And she was going on about climbing a mountain. And I was like, climbing a bloody mountain? <laughs> what she talking about? I remember what? the exact same thing. I climbing remember... a mountain? Yeah, she was like, the, the, you might, you know, the, it, it, it's, it's going to be painful. 
you can't do medical management, you can't do, you know, the operation, whatever it's called, because I didn't have time and I needed to go to America. Right. So I just had to have it natural. And she was, the nurse was just like trying to prepare me, I think. And she was like, it's going to be hard. But, you know, it's like climbing oh. the mountain, you know, you can do it. And I was like, what is she talking about? And then she was like, you might have to push. And that was really like, what? I'm going to have to push? I was exactly the same. I remember oh. they said to me, if you feel the need to push or when you feel the need to push. And I was like, you know, I, having already had children. Yeah. I was, it suddenly took it from a heavy, painful period in my head to having a baby. Having a, having a baby, exactly. Having a baby. And I was really... I think that was that was definitely a standout point for me of like, fuck, I am so unprepared. I do not know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm mm. really, really frightened. That yeah. if the pinpoint in in my experience, it was that when she said, when you feel the need to push, you know, yeah. push. And yeah. I, so they've given you enough information to scare you shitless, but not but not that, yeah. it was the actually, full information so that you're yeah. actually prepared. Yeah. And then sorry I'm not going back in my story but effectively I I lost I, I sort of passed a baby or whatever you want to say gave birth to the babies at my parents house before we went to the airport and I was so glad that I was there and not on the plane because I was actually mm. on all fours like in a birth position on like my like the bed like the guest bedroom bed and I was like sort of you know going through the motions as if I was like in labor for mm. you are you're like you are in labor because you are effectively that's what's happening to your body um and yeah when when I did sort of pass it was on the loo and um I I just called Chris in and I was like look 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 and I I knew in my head it couldn't be the babies because the, there were no babies on the scan right but it kind of looked like it, but it must have just been the sacks. But it really, like, it was big, a big part of the trauma was seeing that in the toilet. Like, it really shook me. Like, I didn't know what to do. Mm. Like, do we, do we get them out? Do we, mm. like, I just, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Um, in the end, Chris was just like, I think we just got a flush. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And, Oh, it's horrible. But in the end, we did flush. And it's like, no one really talks about that either. Like, I think, do you know what? I think there's so many decisions that we have to make that we don't know are going to be hard until retrospectively. Because I remember, and I I know I'm going to start crying because I actually haven't talked about this much. And it's one of the things that haunts me the most. But we decided to take our baby home. And when we went to pick up the baby from the hospital... It was all in this kind of box and it was all wrapped in this like effectively kitchen towel and we chose this massive plant pot that's outside the front and we buried the baby but I didn't unwrap the baby I didn't I didn't unwrap I didn't look in the kitchen roll I just put it in and buried it and to this day I just fucking wish that I'd looked and I feel so it's, I really struggle with it because I chose not to look. And I just feel like I let my baby down by not looking. Oh, no, you really, really didn't. You but really it's just didn't. it's just that I think we all go through these things, you know, people that are haunted by what by the way that things looked and wish yeah. they hadn't looked. Mm. 
and me myself I'm haunted by the fact that I didn't look so there doesn't seem to be any right thing any right answer and I think if we were more prepared about look you know this is what it's going to look like or this is what lots of people decide to do this is what other people decide to do these are all the options but we don't yeah. go, we don't have any of that knowledge so how no, can we, they don't like, tell you anything do they they don't prepare you at all what's best for us when we don't have any of that knowledge because yeah. as we say from the point where the the, the woman uh, the midwife told me to push in my head that's when my baby became a baby yeah it gave it that kind of birth experience and then from then on everything just became so traumatic yeah at that point of you know the burial and, and choosing not to look and I know so many women who have had this had a real struggle with the the, the, the fact that they've flushed the toilet mm. but personally we we fished the baby out of the toilet but I I hadn't even I hadn't even passed the baby by that by that stage so essentially what we'd done is fish a load of my you know the insides of my uterus out of the toilet and taking them to hospital in a fucking plastic bowl with a bit of cling film wrapped over because we didn't have a clue what we were doing yeah. and that, watching my my husband at the time search around in our toilet with a slotted spoon in a plastic bag it was you know in a plastic bowl it was just that I will never get that out of my head the truth no, no. that and what you see and what you go through and the the brutal physicality of loss is not talked about. So therefore we have no idea what we're doing and it doesn't feel human. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel a human experience to go through. And it's so yeah. incredibly traumatizing. And mm. it just it just makes you believe even more that minimizing a miscarriage when you're talking to people, oh, I just had a miscarriage. It's like, no, <laughs> like you actually talk about all the steps that you have to do with your body and your decisions and your emotions it's just massive yeah so yeah I was just when I was back in America I mean this couple of days after passing in the toilet going on the plane having going to ER I was just a a shell and I was so shaken and I didn't know anyone that I'd had a miscarriage I didn't know anyone and that is statistically impossible but I I really didn't my mum hadn't had a miscarriage um my friends hadn't had any miscarriages um my aunties hadn't had a miscarriage I had a feeling that maybe my grandma had had a miscarriage but I couldn't really talk to her because I was overseas um my mother-in-law had had miscarriage and she's in America but she didn't really want to talk about it and then all of a sudden I was having to go to this wedding and I was still bleeding and I have a living child who's a toddler who's the flower girl so here I am trying to walk down in my seraphine maternity dress when I'm not pregnant with my daughter holding her hand and it's it's lovely but it's tricky and I'm in pain and I'm still bleeding and then all these people that are like oh you know finally we get to meet little Ella who's my daughter and when are you going to have another one when are you going to have your next one oh god are you pregnant it's like why are you not drinking oh 
oh, how old's Ella now? Oh, 18 months, you can have another one. Are you pregnant? Like that literally happened so much. And then one of Chris's friend's wives was about to pop. She was eight months pregnant. Because I have a baby, she was asking me about birth and, you know, all of that business and chatting to me about it. And obviously, like, I didn't want to tell her that I was literally miscarrying a baby. Like, she's pregnant. Mm. She's in a vulnerable place. So I just had to sort of answer all her questions. But when it got to after the speeches, I was like, right, that is it. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so I went to bed. And then yeah. I um, I was trying to watch the Olympics because it was the Olympics. I bloody love the Olympics. <laughs> and I was, in, I was in my little cabin with my daughter. He was, like, finally asleep. So that was good. And I was crying my eyes out. And I was like, I just want to watch the Olympics and I couldn't work out the American telly. So I ended up watching American telly coverage of the Olympics. And can I just say that it is so different because they have so many good athletes, these Americans, you would say. And so they win all the events. There's no time to build up an emotional story about Tom Daly before he does his dive. <laughs> no, it's like they just all have to, they're just like, Flicking, they're like hot tree, boom, won the gold medal. Oh, actually, now we're on to the pentathlon gold medal. And I was like, hang on, no, sto- no stories of adversity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bad boy I, come good. <laughs> I was able to watch the swimming, and I don't know if you remember the 2021 Olympics, but the, we like absolutely smashed the swimming. The Brits were like, and so I was like, right, um. I'm trying to remember the names of the swimmers now. Isn't that bad? I can't remember. Is it someone PT? Can't remember. Anyway, I I I, I watched live one of the um, Brits winning like the gold medal, and they didn't focus on them at all because the Americans came second, as <laughs> so they quickly went. And I was like, <laughs> BBC YouTube. I want to see the British coverage. Come on. But yeah. It was all like geo blocked, and I was like, oh, nightmare. Anyway. Um, so that was like my crumb of joy, like in in the uh, American situation. Um, and actually, the rest of the trip, I was just in a complete blur. Um, I can't actually remember much of it. We did get to see Great Grandma Ella, and that was very special. And when we went to see her, her daughter-in-law, so Chris's auntie, had had five miscarriages. And um, she just gave me the biggest hug and told me to lie down. And she gave me this, um, you know, jelly cat toys are like really soft. Mm. Gave me this like dog that she'd bought for my little Ella, but it was like the size of a baby. It was super soft. And she was like, you hug that. I'm going to get you a cup of tea. And I just cried because I was like, oh, my God, this is just what I need. I need to cuddle Mm. something that's like a baby size and I need to just lie down and have a cup of tea and um I'm still in contact with her now and she was like so instrumental in because she was just one person that got it um but yeah and then came back from America and just took a couple weeks off work and then sort of went back and then started your pathway to recovery course and that's when I met my gang Mm. um so yeah I went into a breakout room on the course with the girl gang and met about eight 
or nine incredible women who'd had first trimester losses on Zoom. And we've still got our WhatsApp group um, and we support each other. Um, and that was really great. Um, and I just, yeah, just so important for my emotional recovery. I started counselling when I came back because I really needed to talk about miscarriage with somebody um, because I didn't really know anyone who'd had a miscarriage. I just was reliant on the gang, <laughs> the yeah. girl gang, and also my counsellor. Um, but in my head, I was still pretty confident about my ability to conceive and have a baby because in my head, it was COVID that killed my babies. It wasn't mm-hmm. my body. Um, and so after the six weeks or they give you like a six week window where they're like, don't try and get pregnant, have your first period and then try. That's what mm. I was told anyway. Mm. So I was like, right, let's try. And then we got pregnant quite reasonably quickly. I think it was month three or something after the miscarriage. And I was again naively confident I was just like you know I'm not going to get COVID that's the main thing but and we were planning to go over for Christmas to the States um because we hadn't really been we've only been that once so we're like right we could go over again um and literally two days before the flight I was five weeks pregnant only maybe approaching six and I had the bleeding again and I was just like oh my god I I think that was the one that really 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 shook me because I'd done everything right there was nothing that I had done or hadn't done I felt all the symptoms but in retrospect they were coming and going and coming and going and I was obsessive with those um what are they called? The pregnancy tests, the clear blue ones, which tell you how many weeks. Mm. And I had done them and it was like two to three weeks pregnant, two to three weeks pregnant. And then it went three to four weeks, but then it went back to two to three. I don't know. But basically, um, I did lose that baby as well. And um, I just remember... Chris coming into the bathroom because I called him and it was like this animalistic cry and I just I just remember um like just collapsing on the bathroom floor and I just I just couldn't like it's just the worst pain isn't it knowing that you're losing another child and um mm. it's just horrible and um, I didn't know what to do because I didn't know whether to go to America or not. And maybe I'd get really ill again and have to go into hospital. So maybe it wasn't the best idea. But the problem was that my sister was pregnant and as well, early as well, but pregnant. And I just couldn't bear the thought of staying in the UK and having to spend Christmas with my pregnant sister. And... I know it's horrible to say that, but I just I just couldn't cope with that. So I ended up going to America again. And it was like a really bad decision because I on the plane I got into trouble and I had this stabbing pain in my in in the area 
and I thought I was going to die again. And I had to call the button and they had to do an emergency landing. Luckily, it was near the airport and we were nearly there. Um, and um, yeah, but actually when I got there, everything had eased and it was fine. So I didn't have to go to hospital, but we went into this hotel and it was like this Christmassy, like we were near Boston and we were going to have this lovely American Christmas in the city first. And then we we're going to go back to my in-laws. And then that night we were supposed to go to for a meal and I just collapsed again. Um, like I felt really faint and I collapsed and there we were in a taxi to the hospital and I in retrospect I was just having a panic attack um but I just hadn't had one of those before and so I thought mm. I was gonna die I was like I'm gonna die I'm gonna die um and so we got whisked in straight away like we were in the center of Boston there's so many hospitals in Boston we're the best place to possibly be they whisked me in and I was sort of in and out of consciousness and then and then this is quite funny. This is another crumb. So I was in this room and they were like checking for like internal bleeding. They was all quite like, there's loads of doctors in there. And I opened my eyes and I saw this really handsome doctor who had this um, Harvard Medical School, like embossed like fleece. I was like, wow, he's really attractive. I was like, what's <laughs> happening? And then everything seemed to calm down. And then I think they quickly realised that you know, I say that I'm losing a baby and bleeding, but actually, medically speaking, I was fine. So I was just put in a corridor. Anyway, so the attractive Harvard medical man disappeared. I never saw him again, but it was nice to see him at, in that <laughs> moment where I was panicking. Um, and I just had to have lots of bloods. And I had another internal scan in the American hospital, and they were also horrible and also painful. And that I found that traumatic and I was crying and shaking. And um, yeah, another miscarriage, early miscarriage. Um, and yeah, but the worst thing about that experience was that I had this American, well, obviously American um, gynecologist come on before the discharge. And unlike the first nice one, this was one that just, you know, they were saying, oh, and because of the aborted fetus and using like really horrible words like abortion. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like I wasn't, I was so shocked that I couldn't, I couldn't respond. I was just in my head. I was like, how dare you use that word when I so desperately wanted this baby? Um, I know it's a medical term, but she really did not have that bedside manner kind of, mm. I don't know. It was just really horrible. She was just really clinical and she was like, off you go, basically. And, um, yeah, the Christmas loss hit me harder because it was over Christmas. But also, um, I just knew that something was wrong. Um, because actually you've lost two in a row now or three babies but two two miscarriages and it's like the chance statistically the chances of that are quite low right I mean yeah 
yeah um and so it was like it wasn't covid something's wrong with me um and so yeah just kind of think what's going on but the key difference was is that I had my girls from the girl going and I had my little whatsapp group from my from my girls so I was texting them like almost every other hour <laughs> telling yeah. like uh, saying oh this you know and I really needed my mum and I really needed well I really needed my mum but she just couldn't cope with that emotionally she couldn't cope with miscarriage she just didn't know how to respond and like I'd send these big messages of like how somebody had said this to me this day and you know, Chris's friend came round with their baby and took me aside and said, "Guess what? I'm pregnant. I'm 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 seven weeks pregnant." And I'm like, "Oh my god, good for you!" And then I'm like, "Oh my god, I would have been seven weeks pregnant. I'm bleeding with a miscarriage, but I'm not going to tell you because I don't know who you are." <laughs> mm. And so you're just like, you know, you're saying all this stuff to on text to your mom, just hoping that they'll be like, oh, that sounds so hard. Hope you're okay. Like sending you lots of love. But my mom was just like, she's a really, really nice supportive person, but for whatever reason, she just can't cope with the miscarriage and stuff. And so she just like not acknowledge anything in the message until like the last bit when I'd maybe be like, oh, we're doing this tomorrow. She'd be like, oh, I hope you have the, a nice thing, like that nice thing tomorrow and just ignore the whole like emotional spiel. <laughs> and I'd be like yeah. oh. so it made it worse but luckily I had my girl group from the girl gang I could message um and that was that really saved me but the thing that was awful was that I was obviously missing my I, I really should have been in the UK I was very poorly and I was emotionally complete complete wreck um but my um my sister lost her baby as well um, so she oh, had her first miscarriage gosh. when she was in like book, Boxing Day or something. And so I wish I had stayed because I would have been able to have ridden the waves of grief and trauma with her. But I had decided to go to America because I couldn't bear the thought of being with a pregnant sister. So it was just like I felt even more awful because I was like, I don't know what I was doing and it just felt really rough. Um, but yeah, so when I came back from America that time, the second time, I just thought life is so cruel. How could it happen like two days before both times? What are the chances? Mm. Also, what on earth is wrong with me? I had to take about two months of work because I, for mental health reasons, but I just felt like I needed to grieve. And I just needed that space to grieve because in America I had to pretend that I was fine both times yeah. and I hadn't had the space to grieve. And I also wanted to understand what to do next with fertility and what on earth was going on. So I just decided, right, we're not going to try again. I actually had another chemical pregnancy in February, um, the one time that we didn't... Um, Use precautions. I did get pregnant, but it wasn't. I think it was like a pregnancy test for weeks or something, and then I had like the period or the, or the very early miscarriage or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, and 
at that time off, I listened to the Girl Gown podcast a lot. I discovered this Harry Potter podcast, which is amazing as well. So I listened to that. Love Harry Potter. And I did lots of like things to heal. Um, but I actually were really good. So I did lots of like painting. So I did lots of like art. And um, I know this is a podcast, so you can't like, see. But um, I did, I painted instead of, um, well, my little memorial for my babies with the twins was painting two of their flowers of the birth month that they would have been. Um, mm. So this is my little, my little painting mm. of my, the flowers. So I do that and be listening to the Girl Game podcast. I've been listening to my Harry Potter podcast. And then I got back into my music, so I played some piano. So it was really like a healing time. Um, so I felt I felt a lot better in the spring because I hadn't been trying, hadn't been in the fertility world. I'd taken this time off work. I'd done some healing. I'd been talking lots to, through therapy and a lot of, you know, been discovering the girl gang. Did my 5K with, with Bex and some of the other girls of the gang feeling good um and I was also having um I was paying privately to have acupuncture with Rachel who a lot of you probably will know who she is who does fertility acupuncture and then also did um nutrition stuff um and Rachel said to me because your losses are going down in gestation she thought it was a it's, she thought it might be an, an immune issue. Um, so as in like the the first loss was seven weeks and then the second was like five or six weeks and then the third was chemical pregnancies. It's like losing them earlier and earlier. Um, mm. And so she said, right, well, you've got to go and see this guy, Dr. Shahata, um, and, you know, he, you can see him privately and he'll test you for all these um, immune tests. And I said, I just jumped in and said, oh, you know, I really can't afford private. Um, and she said, well, he does have an NHS practice, but you might have to wait a while. And I just said, well, that's what we're going to have to do. And mm. so then you come away from that and you're like, right, I've got a potential answer. I've got a fight here. And uh, I called the GP. And I explained about uh, that I'd had three losses, but lost four babies, and that I wanted to be referred to this man. And they said, "Nope, you've got a living child." Um, no, oh, really, he doesn't accept referrals and, um, if you've got a child. I was like, That's wrong. I've had recurrent miscarriages. I've had three losses, so you have to refer me. And they said, yeah, well, we can refer you to, I don't know whether it's King's or whatever, generic fertility clinic. And I said, no, I need to be referred to this man. And they were like, no. And so I was like, fine. Big London uh, GP thing. I was like, I'm just going to ring back in an hour and uh, try and get another appointment with another doctor. Yeah. Um, rang back, got to speak to this lady who... I really liked I'd seen her before and she was like oh my goodness what you've been through is so terrible of course we can't refer you to the man but we'll refer you to the clinic um it might take a while but I'll do it and I was like 
thank you so much. And then it was like this kind of three to four months of just ringing and ringing and ringing the clinic mm. to try and like, any cancellations? Yeah. Um, finally got through and, uh, yeah, got the, um, the blood tests and, yeah. But it's all these little steps that you have to do, isn't it? It's just like mm-hmm. women's health. It just you, you have to be such an advocate for yourself. And um, I'd I have to book these blood tests for the clinic um, at particular sites that I hadn't, I didn't know where I was going. It was in like southwest London, and I was southeast London. So I got really early to go to this place and then I got to this little GP surgery and I got finally got in and this nurse was like, the door was wide open to the waiting room. She was like, oh no, these are very specific fertility ones. I don't have the right chest tubes for this. And I was just like, oh no, everyone can hear. She was like, you're going to have to go to this hospital now. And I was like, I don't know where that is. How do I get there? And she was like, oh, well, you just go down this road and down this road. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to go to work. Anyway, get to the hospital and 10 vials of blood later, I was back in the car with my mask bar. Luckily, I had my mask bar. And then I and I drive back and it was the summer holidays and I got a speeding ticket like a month later for going 23 in a 20 school zone on the oh, way back from you villain. <laughs> so speed awareness course. And I was just like, this is just typical. And then like a month later, the clinic was like, I'm really sorry, but we've actually... Um, your your test results like I, I think something happened with the lab and um you're gonna have to do them again and I was just like oh my god <laughs> I was late for work and I've got a speeding um penalty and a speed awareness course and I've got to do these tests again um anyway skip forward a couple of months I get my results and it was the immune system um and it was uh, natural killer cells um so I was put on immune autoimmune drugs and um progesterone pessaries and um that was effectively my answer. So I was lucky enough to, to get my answer. Um and I had my rainbow baby two months ago. Um so I'm very, very lucky. Um but in that year in that year of recovery where I wasn't trying and trying to get my answers, I had a lot of my friends become pregnant and a lot of my colleagues become pregnant. And so for five months, I had a constant 30, three, zero people that I knew that were pregnant. And some people have their babies and no one become pregnant. And the number 30 just remained. And I just couldn't cope with it. I found it really difficult emotionally. And I was in work and I hadn't got any of my answers at this point. I hadn't got my referral through. And one of my colleagues came up to me and this was probably like the sixth or seventh colleague that's come up to me and be like, oh my God, guess what, I'm pregnant. And you're like, oh, great. And then you go and cry in the loo. But this colleague was talking about his wife, who's one of my friends. And she, he was talking about a scam. And I just had this experience of um, like everything went 
flack and I, my heart started beating like I was really aware of my heart beating like boom 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 and I had like this horrible flashback of being in that first gamma room and seeing no babies on the screen yeah and I was like sorry got a meeting gotta go and I like went into the disabled loo and I just crouched on the on the floor like like I did when I found out about my second I just had to be on the floor and I was just like crying and sweating and shaking and I was like this is not normal Mm. um and so I called the GP the next day and they were like I think you've got post-traumatic stress disorder PTSD and I was like oh yeah makes sense so I was getting triggered everywhere Mm. and um I said well what can you do to help me and they said well we can refer you to counseling um but because you know you're generally like okay like we can't we can't actually help you probably like the waiting list is just you know so we would advise if you can go private and I thought I got really angry because I was like this is like a really big deal for me. Like I can barely function. I cannot go into work because somebody else is going to tell me they're pregnant or somebody else is going to come up to me out of the blue and just be like talking about their pregnancy or their scan. And um, yeah, I was just like, oh, how do you even, how do you even do this if you don't have the money to pay for private counselling? Luckily, I did have the money. And the counselling really helps. And what they do is they um, ask you to tell your story. And each time you tell it, it becomes more, less and less trauma. And you process the trauma by talking through your trauma. And um, it really worked. So the fact that I can tell you this story without crying too much. (laughs) I cried once, Mm. but... Okay. I'm so pleased the therapy was helpful and yeah I'm so pleased that you you got there in the end with your with your rainbow baby yeah it's so hard with I, I always worry that people who don't advocate for themselves never get the answers and then they never they don't that they just keep going and keep going and then yeah. maybe give up um well, so yeah. you know well done you for persevering yeah, because that's what the great. GP kept saying. They keep saying, "Just try again. You've got a baby. You're fine. Just try again." Mm. I'm like, I'm telling you, I just know in my heart, if I try again, I will have another miscarriage. I yeah. don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why. I think I'm it's a real to- testament as well to the power of like the girl gang and how you know sharing what you've been through and being able to connect with other people has led you to Rachel and then exactly led you to finding the answers so Emma thank you so much for coming and sharing everything with us it's just it's such a powerful story of recovery and I hope that people that are listening will be able to take comfort in the fact that you have you know you have not come out the other side but you have been able to move forward in by seeking out the not just the the PTSD therapy but also the creative therapies that you shared about and by taking that time you were able to kind of move forward in your recovery it's great thank you so much for um you know for being so real about your journey as well it's 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 going to be a really really good episode 
thank yeah, you. I think will, um, will relate to a lot of what you said. Yeah. I think one of the tricky things is if you come across other women who've had miscarriage and they brush it under the carpet and they say, oh, but it was fine, it was only early, or, or you know someone who's had a miscarriage who hasn't told anyone but then you kind of find out and they've just carried on with life and they're seemingly absolutely fine. Yeah, um, and there will, just... be, there will always be people like that, but I think the main thing is that this support and this help is 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 available for people that do get floored by it like you know all three of us and mm. and that is a promoting an understanding that everyone does deal with things differently and if you're not as affected as another person by miscarriage doesn't mean that your experience is sort of wrong or anything but it does as you say make it harder for, for those of us it makes us feel like we're doing something wrong doesn't it in in terms of how we're coping but I think that mm. loads of people feel feel like that and um yeah I think this will just be great for people to understand that they're not alone thank you so much for sharing thank you very much and um yeah thank you for all you do because as you said if I hadn't found the gang I don't know if I would have ever had come across Rachel and then thought it was immune and then got the answers so it's amazing to have this shared knowledge as well as the community support group yeah Um, because it is the women's health research of medical stuff is just appalling, isn't it? Yeah. And you yeah, have to advocate making, for yourself. To change it. We're on the way. Exactly. We're on the way well, Emma, do keep in touch, won't you? And um, yeah, sending you all the love. And perhaps we'll see Lovely you on the see you. Okay, soon. Yeah, <laughs> thanks so much. All, all right. right. Thank you. Thanks.